Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and good night. No matter where you are in the world, I'd like to welcome you back to another episode of Whose World Is This? with Junior Renee Bobrun. If you are a first-time listener, I'd like to welcome you to this ongoing conversation. If you are a returning listener, welcome back. Thank you for joining us, joining me, joining this ongoing conversation that we continue to have. First things first, uh, if anyone needs to contact me about any suggestions, questions, concerns, please feel free to at whose world is this two one at gmail.com. That's whose world is this the number two and the number one at gmail.com. Or you can follow us on Instagram and you can follow us on Instagram at whose world is this two zero two one. Um, I'll have updates and things like that going on as well on that on that uh, on that uh, page. I'm still journaling people. I am 10 plus 11 days into this journaling experience. If you guys don't know and this is your first time listening, I have been journaling since November 1st. I'm a November baby. I have a birthday in November. I'm not born on November 1st, but I started November 1st. I'm on a 365 day journaling journey. I've bought the Grateful the Gratitude Journal from the Lenore Batista collection that you can find at Chavez House Publishing on Amazon. Chavez House with an S. That's C-H-A-V-E-S House Publishing. And you can scroll through. And I've been using the Gratitude Journal. It's a beautiful journal. It says on the, it's, you're going to see a, um, someone, a silhouette of someone meditating. It's going to, it's going to be a, a a sea with a with a sunset horizon. It's going to say gratitude journal, my abundant blessed life. And it's going to have Lenore Batista's name prominently positioned at the bottom of the actual uh, cover page. And I've been using that and I've been using it every morning and every night. Why am I doing that? Because it's been proven study after study and even in my own personal life that what you write down has a higher propensity to occur than what you do not write down. So when I write down what I'm grateful for and I write down my expectations, those things I write down, I can bring them into existence easier. It happens faster at a more accurate clip than if I don't do that. So this gratitude journal is great. How you use it is as soon as you wake up and and, and wipe the coal out of your eyes and nature calls, you answer nature's call, you write. You don't check the phone. If you want to check the phone, you only check for missed calls that might have occurred during the night just in case there was an emergency. No social media, no emails, no anything. If you want to do that, I personally prefer to just go right to the journal. And it's asking me what I am grateful for. It has prompts. So right now I've put myself in the right state of reference, state of mind for the day. I'm not thinking about, oh man, I got to get ready for work. Oh, I got to see such and such. At the You're not thinking about any of that. I'm not thinking about, I got to call such and such. I got to get up. I got to do this. I got to do this. How much cardio? No. First things first, what are you grateful for? And I write that down. It centers you. I can't tell you how important it is and in the difference it's made in just more than a week's time. You do that every day. And then before you go to sleep, it writes, you also have to write what, what happened that was amazing today. Write one thing and then write what you're grateful for. So now, as soon as you wake, you're writing what you're grateful for. Right before you go to sleep, you're writing what you're grateful for. 
what you have done is you're creating a cycle of gratitude in your life when you awake and before you go back to sleep, before you slumber. This is important. It centers your day around gratitude, abundance, and what you expect, positive expectations. That's why I'm using these journals. They're important in that regard. I'm also using the Titan Fit Journal, which is a journal that's uh, chronicling my fitness uh, endeavors. I have not missed a day at the gym. Uh, granted, I've been doing more cardio, more lightweight stuff. I, I come from a heavy lifting, power lifting kind of background. I haven't gotten into that yet, but I've just been in there getting it in, getting my at least a mile and a half in on, the, on cardio, 30 plus minutes minimum, 30 minutes minimum. And I chronicle it. That's how you get started. So my gratitude journal, it has 365 pages waiting. So I suggest you guys do the same. Become a part of it. Chris Kringle time's coming. Black Friday's coming in a couple of weeks. Go on Amazon, pick one up for a neighbor, a friend, whatever. We have the fitness journals for women as well. And uh, the training my best for my best life and my healthy, fit, and beautiful journal. Pick them up. Pick them up. And if you want to leave a little cash donation, go to my cash app, Junebo, dollar sign, J-U-N-B-E-A-U. Let's get it popping. So, what are we going to talk about today? As you guys know, I like to pick a title, and my rants revolve around that title. And today, we're going to get to it, only because it, this is sort of hot off the presses. It's funny. I just had a conversation with a neighbor, and if you listen to my last episode, or my last few episodes, I've spoken about the importance now for many people that are working from home, that are remote working or not working, how important now it's to connect to the people that are actually your neighbors. The people that you see all the time and you give a head nod to or you try to avoid greeting or even speaking to because you're for whatever reason, you just do not feel like engaging. How important it is now to create a sense of community that may or may not have been there before. You understand? Formenting, cementing, strengthening that. While Mark Zuckerberg and company and everyone else is trying to create a metaverse where we're all just stuck walking down the streets with that crick in our neck because we're looking at our electronic devices or every place we go, we're just staring at a screen with that luminescent light, that artificial light in the background, as opposed to trying to identify the light in the people around us. Hmm. While they're trying to create that metaverse where all we're doing is spending money online, creating avatars. While they're doing that, I'm meeting neighbors. And this particular neighbor has a beautiful little daughter. What I met this daughter last year. She was in Pampers and probably still is in Pampers, but barely walking. Now, a year later, it's amazing how the little younglings sprout up, right? And how they evolve. This little one is having these little conversations with me. It's hilarious. So this woman, female neighbor and her daughter, I bump into them while I'm heading where? To the treadmill, to the gym that's in my apartment compound, complex, whatever. Just bump into them. Hey, say hello to the little youngling. I speak to my neighbor. I'm saying, hey, how's your husband? How's he doing? He's like, yeah, you know, small talk. I'm like, so where is he now? And she tells me that he's in uh, West Virginia. I'm like, what's he doing there in West Virginia? We're in the South Southwest. What's he doing out there? He's on assignment. 
but I know him to work in the medical field. So she's saying he's on assignment. I'm saying, okay, even though I have a little bit of background in knowing about what's going on in the medical field because of all the mass firings and the mass strikes that's been going on due to certain mandates and things of that nature. Um, a lot of these hospitals have been having to hire people from out of state, paying them serious money to do the job that they refuse to pay their staff that's been there to do the job and pay them an exorbitant amount of money to do the job that the people that they're firing for mandates or, or, or refuted, refusing to concede contractual demands for. So you'd rather pay the strangers to come from out of town, fly them in town, house them and pay them sometimes quadruple what you were paying your workers here. Just to make a point in the short term, you'd rather take the financial loss in the short term than to make the people that have been working through this pandemic in quotes um, uh, throughout everything, risking their lives, not seeing their families, sequestering themselves when they get home in rooms so, so they don't want to, and, and them not being knowledgeable or fully knowledgeable about the actual extent or condition that this uh, of this actual virus and they're working under these conditions as information unfolds so her husband is over there they flew her husband from where i'm staying all the way to west virginia they're putting him up in a hotel and paying him a lot of money to do his job a job that he could just do here but here's what's going on and the reason why i'm bringing this up is the title of this show is what are you owed it's going to be along those lines what do you feel you are owed because there's this saying that's been bandied about over the last i don't know couple of years i've been hearing it and um i heard it years ago and it's the saying goes you don't get what you deserve you get what you negotiate that happens in everything in life. It doesn't happen just in business. It's in your personal life. You get what you negotiate. Life is all about compromises, leverage, and, 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 and what, what, are you, what, what are you willing to put up with? And if you're not willing to put up with it, and why? What are you willing to negotiate? What, what are you willing to bargain and negotiate for? How, much, how far are you willing to go is the question I, I want to ask. But what do you feel you're owed? Because here's what's going on. A thousand workers walked out of their their uh, their 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 jobs. A thousand healthcare workers in the Huntington, West Virginia area. Because when she told me all of that, I got on the treadmill, did my mile and some change, and got off and went on the computers because I wanted to know what was going on in West Virginia. Because she told me there's strikes and there and you know he wanted to you know her husband wanted her he wanted to bring of course his daughter and his his wife with him, and the hospital administration said it, it may not be safe because the the working strike has become contentious. Why has it become contentious? What's happening? Ladies and gentlemen, both of my parents come from the Caribbean. Most of the women on my mother's side of the family are all in the medical field. Okay. I grew up in the medical field. Most of the women in my family are nurses. If they're, o if they're over the age 
of 45, 50, if they're over the age of 50, they're nurses. And they've been nurses for over 20, 30 years. My mom has been a nurse since the 1980s. Okay? My mom, I remember being on the picket line with my mommy. Okay? Not my mom. My mommy at the time. She wasn't mom yet. She was mommy. Okay? When they were out there, nurses fighting for better wages. Now, what I've been hearing from a lot of my family personally when a group of nurses went to the administration and said, hey, listen, we were overworked and underpaid already. Because what I've been hearing from my mom, what I've heard from my mom in, in, in many years ago, she said how the nursing field, how the medical field and how the hospitals, how patient care went down the toilet in the late 90s and going into the 2000s. Why? Because all of a sudden managed care, it's such a profit bearing system. It makes so much money that they make more money hiring less nurses to do more work. If you have less nurses doing more work, the patient suffers. The patient isn't getting that care from a nurse that only has a handful of patients or maybe a dozen patients. But you're taking a nurse who's accustomed to having a certain amount of patients per shift and you're doubling it. Guess what happens when you overwork people? Mistakes happen. Guess which professions where the margin of error is at its lowest? The medical profession. But yet medical errors are up, ladies and gentlemen. One of the leading causes of death in this country are medical errors. That's what you don't hear about. Huh? Hello? That's been the case and my mom and I, I'd hear her on the phone speaking to my other female cousins and whomever and they would say oh this profession isn't what I got into it isn't what I got into we're not getting the raises we were promised for the kind of work that we're doing if you're not in the medical field you have no idea what the work is like you have no idea what it means to give of yourself every day to that extent to that degree to the sick and infirmed every single day People come, people go, people are alive. Sometimes people don't make it out alive and they die on your shift. How many of us are working in professions where actual death, we're seeing someone die in your arms and having to take care of that dead body is actually a job in your job description. Hmm. But yet these men and women have to fight and negotiate for every penny. And oftentimes when they go on strike, they come back off of that strike getting way less than they demanded. And right now you got a thousand workers in the middle of all that's going on. You told these people get jabbed or else we're not giving you any bonuses. We're not doing any of that. As I was saying before, circling back, this is happening all over the country, by the way, what I'm about to say to you, um, group of nurses, a couple of my family members are included in this. They all, more, more than a dozen nurses, actually, I would say almost two dozen nurses go to the administration. And what do they say? They're done. They're fried. They have PTSD. They are fried. What they want are better working conditions. They want, if you're not going to hire more nurses, at the very least, pay us such and such amount of money, hazard pay, working under these conditions, where are the bonuses, where are the this, that, and the third. Guess what happened? The administration nodded their heads and said, we hear your plight, blah, 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 <clears throat> and threw them a pizza party in their honor. Think about that for a minute. 
Granted, that pizza party was uh, too little too late. It would have been nice if they would were surprised with that and they were acknowledged for their hard work and sacrifice beforehand. But the mere fact that they had to come in to demand better wages and better working conditions and you come back with a pizza party, you might as well have slapped them in the face with that hot, cheesy slice of pizza. Because that's the kind of insult it is. And that's happening all over the country. That ha It's happening in New York. It's happening in South Florida. It's happening in Atlanta. The stories I'm telling you are coming from everywhere. I have nursing family everywhere in this country. So what's happening now? You tell these people jab or else. You tell these people no hazard pay. You tell these people we don't have the money. They do have the money. You've been understaffed and overworking the people that you have and you've been making money hand over fist all these decades while underpaying, overworking, understaffing your establishments, your facilities. So you have the money. You've just been mismanaging the money. The money is there, ladies and gentlemen. We spend the most money per capita of any country on earth on health care. Yet, we don't have the outcomes as other first world nations. Why? Because the money is mismanaged. It's not going to care on the ground. It's going to marketing the hospitals. It's fattening the salaries of hospital administrators who have no medical backgrounds. Are you listening to me? I know this well. Remember what I told you? I've been in the medical field. Both parents and many of the women in my family. I know how it works behind the scenes. And you know who suffers? You and I. Me and you, your mama and your cousin too. Everyone suffers under this system. That's spending the most money but not getting the, the greatest outcomes. Why is that? Because it's a profit producing business. It's not a business that's primary concern is care. It's not, it's outcomes aren't that it's billing insurance companies. It's marketing drugs. It's, it's, it's fattening hospital administrators pockets. It's building different wings for plastic surgeries and cosmetic surgeries. That's what it's about. It's like a college that's not concerned with better education. They're more concerned with building a better stadium for their athletic program so they can bring in that TV money. But the education system in that, in that particular division one school it's not a division one academically, it's a division one athletically. But which one is going to have the better outcomes? The student who's the better student or the student athlete who's only going to be a student athlete is probably never the, the chances of them pay, playing a professional sport or little to none. Get, making money off of that. But yet they're spending more time on the revenue that they're going to garner from that. And they're not putting it back in the educational side. And it's the same with these cosmetic surgeries. In these, the, the, in, these, in these hospitals, they're spending more time on the cosmetic side and not on the people that actually need medical assistance. Hello? Hello? And this is what's going on. So they're striking. And so I had to, I had to do a, a show about this. I have this part of the conversation because this has been an ongoing theme over the last couple of episodes. If you go back a few episodes, let me see. I can't remember which episode it was. Um, let me look at my episodes now. Money is the root. I have um, 
episodes 41, 42, and 43, season three, episodes 16, 17, and 18. I have Money is the Root in part one. Money is the Root part two. Money is the Root part three. And I think before that, it's time to act. I think I spoke about it then. So I have about four episodes in October of this year where I'm really going in. I'm actually picking a side where I'm letting you kind of know. Yeah, this is what, you, if you're going to do this, this is your moment. This is your moment. And I think even my Labor Day episode, if you guys want to check that out. Um, let me see. Labor is what you make it, I think I called it. Yeah, that's uh, in September. Life and Labor is what you make it is the episode title. I go back and I speak about this. Winter is coming, people. You have an opportunity now, if you're a worker, to have leverage. Because this is what's going on. These, the managed care system that we're under right now is unsustainable. You can't lose this many workers in the middle of all the things that are going on right now. You just cannot. You cannot impose what you want to impose on the worker and not say to them, hey, and give them a pizza party in return. Okay. What's happening now is you have nursing, traveling nursing, which, used to, which is a pretty lucrative profession. I, I don't know if you guys know it out there. Illuminate anyone who's looking to get into a field. But you know, traveling nurses, is, you know, you take on an assignment in a particular area, maybe an area that's underserved. Maybe some oftentimes places in the rural, rural south or even in the Midwest. And maybe they have a hard time recruiting and, and attracting nurses. Maybe they don't have a nursing school and a vocational school nearby. So for them to get nurses to come to these areas, they spend a great deal of money. Those nurses make oftentimes double what the what the average nurse makes going to and from the same hospital or 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 medical office every day oftentimes they get put up in a hotel they'll get five to ten thousand dollars signing bonuses and they don't have to spend a dime so if you're single or whatever the case may be whatever your personal life is and you want to make some extra money as a nurse i would suggest you do some travel nursing so now with the vaccine mandate and the jabbing mandates coming down the pike and many medical professionals are saying no to the jab, guess what's had to happen? The price of recruiting and the, and the cost of recruiting a traveling nurse went up. And these traveling nurses have been making a mint during all of this over the last couple of months. And the hospitals now are saying the cost has gone through the roof. It's gone through the roof. But this is what happens when you've had a system where you have been overworking, understaffing and underpaying your employees, your essential employees for all of these decades. Now you're paying people who have no institutional equity with your place more money than the people that have been on the ground. Is that fair? Absolutely not. Because the people on the ground aren't even asking for anything near what these travel nurses are getting. So now what's going on is the travel nurses are making so much money and these hospitals are saying it's breaking our budget. They're going to hire English speaking nurses from the Philippines. And they're going to outsource <laughs> and get nurses from the Philippines to come to the United States and work in the nursing field. Are you listening to me, ladies and gentlemen? This is your medical, your health care industry. This is your American health care system at work. How do you feel about that? So 
I'm asking you guys in your profession, what do you feel that you're owed? Because these people are taking to the street. They're saying enough is absolutely enough. We haven't been rewarded. We keep saying these things. Oh, thank you, essential worker. Thank you for all of you. We're, we're leaving comments on their IG pages and their 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 Facebook pages and everywhere else and their TikToks and we're TikToking with them. And but what are we doing? Are we really standing in solidarity with them? Whether they are jabbed or not, are we standing in solidarity with those that are on the front lines doing a job that most of us don't want to do? Let me tell you something. You would have to start me off. Listen to me now at eighty five thousand dollars per year starting salary, not including hazard pay, not including cost of living increases. I have to be making six figures within three years of that field for me to even do it. To be around the diseased and infirmed to that degree. The, as much as you have to give of yourself to do that job, because me as an empath, I'm going to be, a lot of me is going to be used at this job. I'm going to be expending a lot of my mind and body at this job, my spirit, I'm going to be there, not just as a warm body. And I've been at certain hospitals where I've seen the nurses just clinical. She's an automaton or he's an automaton. They're overworked. They're tired. They're not looking to connect. And then you have that other nurse who you feel like you've just met an angel. You feel better already. Whatever you walked in with, you don't have anymore. Whatever pain or ailment you had, it's done just based on the attitude of that nurse. That's how important they are. I can't speak about the nurses enough. I may have to do something campaign wise. I may have to start a dot org, I don't know, petition, whatever the case, something to let them know how much we're in solidarity with them. There are many people right now that are going to lose their jobs, ladies and gentlemen. I don't know how you feel about this. I don't know where you stand on the jab or or not to jab or not to jab uh, a conversation. But are you okay with people that have been on the front lines taking care of our loved ones in the midst of all of this, uh, these, these unprecedented events of almost uh, two years now, right? Because all of this started right around December of 2019 to January 2020. So we're going on, we're going on almost two years of this of quarantines in certain areas and mask or not to mask and shutdowns and hospital beds being overflowed. This is two years of this. And those same nurses, those same orderlies, those same people working in the custodial staff that are cleaning up janitorial and environmental services, the doctors, all of them, are we okay? If these people that have been on the front lines sequestered from their families at times, like I said, I had this one family member who said she'd come home and she hadn't seen her kids in 10 days in the month of June last year. There was a, a spike, in quotes, in her particular area of, 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 of COVID uh, infections. And she worked 36 hours straight. And when they sent her home, um, they needed her back in eight hours. And so she worked a 36-hour shift, then a 12-hour shift, then a, I don't know how many hours. And then he said, you know, you can go home for like five days or something like that. They gave her some time off. But yet they were using her PTOs. Hello. 
And I told her about that. I said, listen, go get your PTOs back. I said, this is, you're working under hazardous conditions. Keep all your PTOs. You shouldn't use not one PTO over this. Are you kidding me? You just gained PTOs by all the hours that you worked. Pay time off if you guys aren't versed in what PTOs are. I'm pretty sure you are. And she was like, yeah, you're right, June. I'm going to do that later. But she went home. She stayed in another room. And she told her kids, she spoke to her kids through the door because she, they, no one was well-versed into what this thing is or was at that time. So she's speaking to her kids through the door. She's an avid cook. She loves to cook from scratch. She didn't cook. She couldn't cook. She didn't want to infect the kitchen. This is what was going on, people. This is what those people had to go through. There are countless stories. I had a friend of mine who's a nurse. She wanted to rent an apartment. She didn't want to live in a house with her kids. She has her husband there. She has three kids, I think, or two or three. And she was like, no, I, I was thinking of renting an apartment. Her husband had to convince her, no, you don't have to do all that. She's like, I don't want to bring whatever this is home because of what she was seeing at the job. Bodies piling up, vans outside with bodies because there was no place in the morgue or, or, on the premises of the hospital to um, uh, store those bodies. This is what was going on, ladies and gentlemen. And these are the people that are being neglected financially that are looking for compensation and are getting pizza parties instead. This is what's going on. I was reading this, right? See if I can find it. Cause usually, you know, you guys, like I said, usually these shows are, a, my conversation is one stream of consciousness. However, this is so important that I didn't want to just commit everything to memory. I wanted you to feel or hear my how disturbed I was over the conditions. And it's close to me because of, you know, my proximity to the medical field and my family. However, it doesn't stop me from being unbiased. But here's, here's what's interesting. One of these hospitals decided to bus in some people to work, some employees to work. Instead of paying the people that are on strike outside that have been there, they decided they offered $15,000 to work as replacements over the next two weeks. Divided over two 40-hour work weeks, this amounts to an $187 an hour wage. This pay dwarfs the salaries of the striking workers by tenfold. Listen to what they just said. Instead of paying and coming up with a new contract for those workers that have been there for you throughout all of these events that have occurred over the last 18 plus months. Instead of saying, you know what? We got to make some concessions. Instead of doing that, you're telling them you don't have the money. That's what you do. You're telling these employees, we don't have the money. Our system is stressed to capacity. We can't do it. No, it's not. Why? Because what did you do instead? You hired people from out of town to work. You offered them $15,000 to work as replacement over the next two weeks. Over two 40-hour work weeks, that amounted to $187 an hour. I know some lawyers that are like, man, I need to go into nursing. This pay dwarfs the salaries of the striking workers by tenfold. Okay? Because some of the striking workers are not nurses. Some of them are working in tech I mean, uh, they're uh, working in uh, maintenance. They're working in uh, uh, their orderlies. They're, they're certified nursing assistants. Tenfold. Some of these, this pay dwarfs the salaries of the striking workers 
by tenfold. Where'd you find the money to pay these guys? If you're telling the people that are on the front lines that you don't have the money, people that work for you, now they're on the picket line. They went from being on the front line, working for you, underpaid, overworked, understaffed, poor working conditions, bad management. Remember, we spend the most on healthcare. We have some of the worst outcomes in the first world. Just saying. Our, low, our mortality rate is lower than people who spend a fraction in other countries. Just saying. In, the first, in first world nations. Just saying. These numbers are real. And it's been like that. And I'm telling you from firsthand experience, a lot of it has to do with how the money is managed. Okay, when you are in a profit, when you are in a profit bearing system and you've turned sickness into a commodity, these are the outcomes you're going to get. The people that can actually help people not get sick aren't the ones getting paid. The people without medical degrees and without medical uh, skills. The people who have degrees in administration and in business are getting paid more than the actual people that have medical degrees. That's the system you're in, ladies and gentlemen. I didn't choose it for you. You chose it for yourself every day. So what do you feel that you're owed? <clears throat> hmm? What do you feel you're owed hmm? under these conditions? I'm just saying. It's not just happening in this industry, but this industry is important because of everything that's been going on over the last 18 months or so. The medical field has been front and center. Everything is about our immune systems. Are we sick? Are we not? Are we getting jabbed or not? So the medical field in our lives, many of us have been thinking about our health more now over the last 18 months than we've had over the last 18 plus years of our lives. Am I right or wrong? Some of us have lost people that weren't supposed to go. <laughs> people in our age group. So like, wait, you're in your 30s. Hey, wait a minute. You're in your 40s. What's happening? Hmm? I know I have. <clears throat> so the medical field is something in medicine and health is prominent in our lives. One can argue that it's, pre it's the predominant narrative right now in our lives is our health right now and these are health care workers where are these administrations finding the money these hospital managed care facilities finding the money to pay workers from out of town 187 dollars an hour so now you understand why this woman's husband father of their young child decided to leave his home his happy home with his wife and child to go to West Virginia, with all due respect to West Virginia, why would he leave his home where there are plenty of urgent cares and medical facilities and everything right around, as a matter of fact, right outside of where I live, up the block, half a mile, two urgent cares, okay? Plenty all throughout my area, within a five square mile, within a five mile radius of where I live, there's plenty of medical centers. Why did he leave his wife and daughter to go over there? Why? Because the wages, the money, they're willing to pay him. This is administration's proving a point, saying we're going to wait you out. We have the money. You don't. <laughs> you, let's, let, let, let's see who can hold their breath the longest. Hmm? <laughs> let's see. 
dare you. Let's see how long you can stay underwater. We're going to wait you out and you're going to do what you usually do. You have to cower because the rent's due, the car note's due, the daycare bill is due, things are due. And guess what happens? Whether it was in Illinois, whether it was here, whether it was there, the union signs a contract for, for wages that are well below inflation, especially now we are living in inflationary times. You guys have been at the gas tank, gas station. You see how much you're paying for gas? A little bit more than it was a couple of months ago, ain't it? Hmm. How about the how about your milk, cereal, stuff like that? Hmm. Remember, I was go- looking for parts for my car. Whoa, I remember shopping for that part last year. I looked online this year. That part is forty percent higher in price. And you're going, whoa, look at that. So now. The cost of living increase and plus what you feel that you deserve as far as a wage is is, is, you're not getting that. So now because you couldn't hold your breath that long. And because of that, the hospital and these uh, these business administrations, they know that they have the money. They're paying these people one hundred eighty seven dollars an hour. That's tenfold more of what you are making to do your job while you're standing out there fighting for your dignity saying I deserve better, I should get better, I'm demanding better. The people who have the power of the pen and sign your checks are saying, eh, maybe you do, but just to stick a little, there's a thumb in your eye, I'm going to pay this person 10 times what I was paying you. So the money that they're paying these people, they could have spread that out and come up with the concessions already to get these people back to work so they can do what? Provide care. Because guess who suffers? Not only these medical professionals suffering, but people that are in in need of medical assistance are the ones who suffer. Remember what I said, medical mistakes, one one of the highest causes of death in this country. We spend the most money on healthcare in the world. And we don't have the greatest outcomes. Why not? This is why. Right here. Exhibit A. And I just wanted to share that with you because it's important. When I say stay out the metaverse and meet your neighbors, the more neighbors you meet, the more people that can help you out. When you do go on strike, the more people that you can create bonds of solidarity with, then you have something that's real called community. So maybe you don't have enough money this week to go grocery shopping. So you know what somebody around the neighborhood's going to do? Maybe they make you a couple of meals to put in your freezer. Hello. Forget the metaverse. Forget this whole digital world where we're all just different avatars and personas. You got to get back to basics. This is what I've been speaking about. It's been an ongoing theme that's been interwoven into these episodes and streams of consciousness where we seem to speak about different things, but there are threads. If you watch from episode one to episode 48, which we are on now, there is a thread. There are common threads. If you listen and go back and re-listen, okay? When I keep speaking about turn off your news, Talk to a neighbor, talk to your friends, talk to your people, have real forthright conversations. Forget the emojis and the alphanumeric characters. Speak to your family and friends and colleagues and neighbors and cohorts. This is important. 
because times like this, if you're on the picket line, on the front lines of labor disputes, you know what you need? You need community. Because you see what those you see what the bosses just did? The bosses said, yeah, yeah, all that stuff you did over the last 18 months. So what? We expected it. We'll get a couple of other warm bodies to do what you do. You don't matter, worker bee. We're going to replace you with the robots in about a quarter of a century anyway. So, yeah, but this is what it is. But if you have community, if you know thy neighbor, you greet thy neighbor. You've invited thy neighbor into thy home, thine home. Guess what? Then when things are getting rough like that, people are going to say, there's always going to be those, those salt of the earth. People are going to say, you know what? I know things are rough right now. I know you're on strike. I know you got to fight the good fight. I got a couple of casseroles for you. Put this in the freezer. You can just throw it in the microwave in the oven. It'll last a month if you freeze it correctly. Now, all of a sudden, you look in your freezer. You and your babies get to eat. You get to eat. At the very least, you don't have to worry about that. Little things like that, you get to help create community. Oh, yeah, you, you can't pay the daycare bill. How old's your little one? I'll watch him. I'm working from home. Now, all of a sudden, you got a neighbor that you trust now is watching your kid. And you, whoa, these are the things that happen when you just do a little bit more than high and buy and spend more time cultivating and nourishing and nurturing the relationships that you can touch and, and see as opposed to spending eight hours looking at reels on TikTok. Because guess what happens? None of those people you met on TikTok can help you. They can't. It's the people right around you that you don't feel awkward if you see them in a supermarket or in, a, in, a, in an airplane, in an, in an airline, airport lobby somewhere waiting room and you go hey what's up what's going on you're not doing that to the people and, and it, it, I'm tying all of that in to community to what this is about to who are your friends and who are your frenemies these businesses said we paid you to do a job you took the wage and yeah we're not budging it's what it is you were going to pay these other people $187 an hour just to let you know that we can we're going to fly them into town. We're going to put them up in hotels. We're going to pay them tenfold what we, would, what we can pay you. With all of those expenses, they could have divvied up all of that money amongst the employees that were already working and, boom, had a, a solid five-year contract with the union. But they didn't want to set a precedent. Business is saying, nah, we don't, want, we, we don't want this to become a habit. They're thinking we're going to capitulate to their needs or their, or their, or their wants. Hmm. <clears throat> what do you guys think about that? Are you guys are you guys outraged? That's just a part of the picture. I could go all docudrama on you about this and go deep diving, but I like to you know, I, I have this saying, hey, go look it up. If you want to know more, look it up. Don't take my word for it. Look it up yourself. Look up West Virginia. <clears throat> Look up West Virginia Huntington strike. Hospital workers strike in Huntington, West Virginia. That's what I did. And this is just, this is not isolated to West Virginia, mind you. This is happening in New York right now. This is happening in, this, in the Midwest. This is happening in parts of the South. This is happening all over the United States of America. 
your essential worker that we've been patting on the back in the news and saying, yeah, we love you. And look at those nurses on the front lines and watching talk shows and people gushing about the frontline workers. But yet when we we don't hear anything about them going on strike on the news, do we? Hmm. Spoke about the news, huh? Remember, we don't we don't hear about that. Why not? How did I hear about this strike? A neighbor using my eyes. Remember, the last episode was about Operation Look Out Your Window. Yeah, the window of my soul or my eyes, right? That's the windows to my soul. I've been using my eyes, my neighbor, looking, linking with my neighbor, meeting them. And then I get information. I glean information. I know what's going on in my community. Yeah. You guys might want to try it. This is what's going on. I want to know how you feel about that thousand workers you're paying other people 187 dollars an hour 10 times more than what these people are making what so these people are making what 10 dollars an hour 18 dollars an hour 15 dollars an hour you can't pay them a couple more bucks an hour you can't do that give them some hazard pay bonuses no can't happen and their job is to make our lives better when we go into these hospitals and medical centers. This is the system that you guys are entrusting with your care. Okay. Okay. U.S. spends more on health care than any other high income nation, but has lower life expectancy. What are we talking about? What are we talking about? Okay. So just saying, what are we doing? What are we doing? What are we going to do about that? So do you get what you negotiate? You better be a damn good negotiator. How much leverage do you have? It's a lot that goes into negotiation. That's why that statement, I always used to have a problem with it. And I didn't, I didn't know what it was. And I knew what it was. It was leverage. Because you can negotiate, but what is your position of negotiation? How much leverage do you have when you're negotiating? How much actual leverage do you have <clears throat> for these healthcare workers to get leverage? They're going to need the help of not only of the healthcare workers that are actually not on strike and us, the people, the non healthcare workers. They're going to need our support and we have to ask them how we can help. Do we need to publicize? Do we need to spread your story? So if you know a nurse that's disgruntled, that's unhappy with this situation, ask them. If you know a medical professional, ask them personally, what can I do to help and spread the word? What can I do? What do you need from me? What, what, what can my, just me, my two arms and two legs and my little reach, what can I do? That's what I'm going to do. That's what I'm going to do because this is important. I'm telling you guys right now that this is an important part of American history as far as labor relations goes. You've seen multiple jobs increase their hourly wage. You're hearing about retail saying that they're going to have to spend more money on uh, 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 people on, 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 on the average salary. People are burnt out. Remember, you told this this whole society told us to stay inside. Literally, COVID was the Candyman, Michael Myers, Freddy Krueger, Jason, all rolled in one. 
told our butts to stay inside. Don't go out, don't go out, don't go out, don't go out. There are many people right now that are frazzled because the, the news leads with death counts. <laughs> so now you're telling people, we need people to do these jobs. Wait, what? These are the same people that you told for almost a year, don't go outside until it's absolutely necessary. Where everywhere they went, you told them to wear a mask. Where the favorite places that they used to go to eat and frolic were closed. Okay? And now you're telling them to go back outside. And then every time they turn on their television or look at their news feeds on their phones, it's showing death counts, surge, new variants. But no, come to work. We're around all these different kinds of people. Whatever. So think of psychologically what's that doing to a lot of people. I'm not speaking about me personally, but other people. Because me, I, I go out. I don't. Uh, that's another story. Forget about me. But for many, many people, the idea of going outside under these circumstances is frightening because they've been frightened to stay inside. And now you're telling them, oh, we need you. We, we, we need you to come, come back outside. Come get this job. People are like, no. I'm trying to get this job on this computer. I'm staying indoors. Uh-uh. I want to be a rep for some whatever, whatever company will take me online to work. I'm doing that. I'd rather be underpaid doing that than to get those little funky salaries and be in your retail store. Why would someone want to be in a Walmart? Why would someone want to work in a Walmart or in a, or in, or in a department store at those wages? When you can get those wages just working online part time, people are finally realizing that the work that they were doing or the money they were getting for the work that they were doing was grossly insufficient for the amount of work, for, for their working conditions. And then the pay every day, they every hour they work, they were they were losing money. They would have been better off just just doing nothing or doing odd jobs than going back to that place for 30, 40 hours a week for those wages. So what I'm saying is this is an important time. If you are out there and you want to strike, strike. But what I'm saying is don't allow these companies to say that they don't have the money. Don't allow them after this dust if this dust ever settles in this, this paradigm that we're in now, when the dust settles, if the dust settles, don't allow them to say, oh, we're going to go back to pre-pandemical wages. Eh -eh. Make this a permanent normal. These wage increases, these strikes, make this the new normal that these jobs and these employers have to contend with. Because if they're doing this to nurses and healthcare professionals, I can only imagine what they're doing to everybody else. I can only, because I already know what the wages are. I had a comment, we, we spoke about how I was contracted out a couple of months ago and I was doing some work and I just saw how everything was going. I, I, I can't, I can't abide by these wages as a college graduate with the level of experience that I've had. And I remember what you were paying for my level of experience and my credentials in 2019 
all of a sudden 2020 comes, you want to slash those same hourly wages by, I don't know, 40, 50, even 60%. I've seen jobs online where they're requiring you to have a bachelor's degree to make $12 an hour. Are you kidding me? I was making that after high school. And I just look at it and I laugh and I go, yeah, not me. And then you want to tell me what to put in my body, what to do with the this or the that and the third, how many breaks I can take. And <laughs> listen, what I'm t- <laughs> it's, it's, it's absurd. If you guys would look at and, and the thing is, the, the, the jig is up. The people have spoken. The great resignation is upon us. People have said, no. If you are paying me maybe 35, 45 an hour, I might be willing to take your mess, but not at 10, 9, 11, 12. When you're using adolescent ages to describe someone's wages, they're not having it now. Got it? They're saying, nah, my, they're saying my salary has to match someone who's of legal age to drive and better or legal drinking age. That's what people are saying. They're saying, I want my, my wage to match legal drinking age, not adolescent age or teen age. That's real talk. That's real talk. That's what's going on. So the jig is up. People are saying, nah, I'm good. No, I don't, I don't want that. So, and then on, on top of that, these jobs that are saying no one is coming in to hire, I'm telling you guys firsthand, no, one is, no one's coming in to interview. I'm telling you guys firsthand, for giggles, I went on these websites, I'm not going to mention their name, all that, that have all the jobs and the recruiters, and I, and I know what the hourly salaries are for people that can do what it is that I do and other people I know. The wages now, to go into these offices and to succumb to mandates are down 50%. So when these employers on Business Week and Forbes and everywhere saying, oh, we can't find people to work these jobs, lies, I tell you, lies. Because I'm looking at the wages and I'm saying, oh, funny, you want someone with a bachelor's degree to make Burger King wages. Are you kidding me? Stop it. Stop with a little overtime a Burger King employee can make this. No, 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 no. With all due respect to fast food workers, I'm just saying, if you put in the time and you borrowed the money and you went to college and you, and you, and you crossed your T's and you dotted your I's and you kept your nose clean and you walked out there and you shook the hands of the president of the school and you walked out with a diploma, you cannot pay that person like everybody else, period. Yes. I'm saying there should be 100% full employment for people that are that are uh, college graduates and each one of them should be making a minimum of $25 an hour. Yes, I said it. Yes, I said it. You can't pay them the same wage. You can't pay LeBron the same wages as someone who just got in the league. You can't pay someone who's an all-star and has the experience and has credentials and dean's list as someone who's, someone who's just getting a non-skilled labor. You can't do it. And that's what's going on. Wage suppression is an old conversation. You can go. I, listen, you we've spent in the American. That's why there's we spent how much time in school from six years old to 18 years old. You learn nothing about economics, nothing about business. Yet we're in the free market, et cetera, et cetera. We espouse the free market. And 
but you'll learn anything for 12 years. Dare I say you can go from six years old to 22 years old, which is the average age, 22, 23 years old, the average age of a college graduate, and never take a business class, never take a, cap, uh, uh, um, a business plan course, a course on capitalism, a course on economics, macro, micro, capitalism, social, nothing. No, nothing. And yet you've been given the right to vote since the age of 18 and you're uninformed, misinformed, disinformed, malinformed. Okay. Right? That's what's going on. Hmm? So we can go. I, I'm not going to get into that now because that's unfortunately... I'm not saying it's above my pay grade, but I would have to get paid to do that real lesson. That's some real TED Talk lectures right there. And I could do it. I've done it, but I've gotten paid for it. So that's something, if you guys really want to know, we can have another kind of conversation. But that's what's going on now. That's what it is. Wage suppression is as old as probably time, as as old as the wage. And it's an ongoing negotiation right now. There's a little bit of leverage. But when you have hospitals willing to pay someone $187 an hour, 10 times more to do your job, just so they don't have to sign a contract to give you maybe six, seven more dollars an hour. They're willing to pay someone $10, 10 times more than you. And all you're asking for is maybe a 10% increase. That's it. Some of these people are making 15, they want 18. The people that are working, making 18, they want 24. They want this, that, and the third. But yet you're paying other people $187 an hour just to prove a point that you can. Meanwhile, you've been telling them that your budget has been overstressed all this time. You don't have the, the budgetary, uh, 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 um, you don't have the budgetary means to compensate them accordingly. So let's come up with the great compromise. And meanwhile, you're seeing people get bust in to do your job and making 10 times more than you. Wow, and all you're asking for is a 10% increase, not a 2%, maybe a 3%, a 4%. Make me whole. The price of inflation, the fact that I've been on the front lines of this, is that, what is that worth to you? So what are you owed out there? Is what I'd like to know. What do you feel you're owed? Guys, don't forget, if you're listening to me on iTunes or Apple Podcasts, please rate, review, and subscribe to the show. It is very important for the show to grow that you, they see the amount of ratings and reviews and likes and whatever that it gets. It's important for the metaverse. Okay, so please take a moment after listening to this episode, go right there to if you're, if you're listening on Apple Podcasts or iTunes or if you have access to Apple Podcasts and iTunes, Please share these episodes with a friend. If you know a nurse, you let them know. Junior Renee Bobrun, our show, are with them. Tell them to email me. I don't care where they are in the country. Tell them to email me at whoseworldisthis21 at gmail.com. I would like to interview them, possibly. Yes, we can do an interview segment. I'm, you know, if we can get this show to grow and get some donations to grow, we can get more equipment and I will dedicate it to the show. That, that kind of rhymed. Pardon the, po um, the um, accidental poetry. But then when we get the show to grow, guess what happens? Then we have more interviews. I'm able to create, have a little splicer with my phone and the computer and the Zoom. And then we're able to have a better form of communication. See, unlike the healthcare system, I would be putting the money back into the show as opposed to just back in my pockets. Like they're doing. Like the healthcare managers. 
are doing, not putting the money in the healthcare workers' pockets and hiring, hiring more nurses. There's no nursing shortages. That was a lie. My mom used to say that all the time. June, there are no nursing shortages. There's no such thing. They refuse to hire nurses. They refuse to hire nurses. She said, June, I'm doing a job of two nurses easily. And when you hear something like that, you're saying, uh, you know, for the, for the, for the diehard free market, cold-blooded capitalists, they'll say, oh, yeah, doing the job of two. It's great productivity. The patient suffers. Hello. There's certain jobs where I want the person to be able to work smarter, not harder. And that's one of them. That's one of them. The harder, if the more fatigued they are, the more overworked they are, the more prone to mistakes they are. Remember what we spoke about? One of the leading causes of death in the United States is what? Medical mistakes. Oftentimes due to overwork, sometimes underskilled. Why? Because you want to pay the underskilled person that just got out of school more money, less money than the, than the, uh, the nurse with all the experience that got all the certifications and this and that and the third and blah, 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 blah. Now they have oxygen tech and their respiratory this and they're doing all this great stuff. And guess what? You're saying, eh, eh. I don't want to pay you anymore. Yeah. You tell that nurse, you tell those nurses, you tell those healthcare professionals, those CNAs, those orderlies, those people that are working in environmental services, custodial services, the doctors, you tell them whose world is this two one at gmail.com. We'll talk about it. They can remain anonymous. I will never divulge their information, but if they want to sound off on the things that are going on right now behind closed doors or behind that medical curtain, we are all ears here. All right. You guys, remember, buy those journals. We'll talk later. Bye-bye.